Ephesians chapter 5, when I was a, when I was a kid, um, we, uh, we had this uh, incredible childhood. I, I grew up on a, a farm. Now, my parents didn't have a farm. My grandparents owned a farm, and it was just like you would imagine, except the difference was that it was a chicken farm. It's primarily so they had the cows and the, the horses and just all the other stuff that you would normally have. They had a pig pen. We had all that stuff, but it was, in the, it was way far away. It was about a half hour, 40 minutes from my parents' uh, location. And the, one of the things that I remember most about it is just the fact when you were there, the things that you would discover. I've told you guys lots of stories about encountering rattlesnakes. And I remember just walking through the yard, literally walking through the yard, and you hear that, you know, if any of you guys ever heard a rattlesnake in the wild where you just walk up on it, and you hear the, 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 the tail going off, that doesn't mean they're going to get you. That means they're warning you not to get any closer. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's for the, so you hear that noise, and all of a sudden you're beginning to think, you know, I can't see them because they're camouflaged a lot of times, so you just stop. You're hearing that noise, and you're, you're a little bit freaking out just being honest. It's just scary. And I, I remember a number of times just going through my grandparents' yard and seeing snakes just slither across they, they had a pond, and I remember there being water moccasins and copperheads and all those kind of things that we find out there. At night, there would be um, coyotes uh, that, that would be all over there. And sometimes, because we had the chicken farm, they would be drawn in by the chickens. When I say chicken farm, we had tens of thousands of chickens. So that's what they did. That's how they made their living, is by the chickens laying eggs, and they would sell them and send them off by literally by the semi-loads of chicken eggs that would go out of there. But it would bring in wild animals at night that would go looking for the dead animals and stuff like that. It was just, it was a cool childhood, but it was kind of creepy, to be honest. Just some of the things, sometimes you'd go outside and they would be far away. And I remember uh, sometimes you'd walk outside and the coyotes would be way off in the distance. And sometimes you would hear them right behind the house. Now here's the crazy thing. Because of the, where they were at, sometimes we had to work in the chicken house at night. And it was a good distance away. It was probably 500 feet away from our house, and I remember going outside at night, and my grandma's saying, you need to bring grandpa, whatever it was, and I'd go outside, and I'm remembering all these things that were around me, thinking, I don't want to go in the darkness from there to there, there's no way. I was terrified, and I had good reasons to be terrified, because I knew all this stuff that I found that was out there all the time, and I remember my grandma saying, you'll be fine just staying on the path, stay near the lights, all this other stuff as you go out. But I remember my heart would be racing. I'd have to build my, my courage up standing on the porch. And then I would just run like crazy from the house to the chicken farm to get over there. And I remember the older I got, the more used to it I got. Now I'm going to tell you guys, it's not that anything changed. It was still the same dangers in the darkness that were there when I was a kid. But I adapted and sometimes you get and say, I, I, I didn't get hurt, nothing grabbed me, nothing pulled me out, nothing killed me, you know what I'm saying? So I'm okay. I want to tell you, the Bible talks about the dangers in the darkness. The Bible talks about these things, and this is not just a play on words that I'm doing this morning. But there's some things that we hear so often around us, and I'm telling you that they've invaded our minds to where you have this idea that this is just normal life. We are not called to a normal life. Can I get an amen right there? I need, I need you guys to be with me today because I know I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, I could care less about what culture thinks. I could care less if they labeled me as a weird, whacked out pastor that is not out in, uh, in touch with society. As long as I'm in touch with God, that's all that matters. It's all that matters. 
In her Bible, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, <coughs> and he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also have loved us and hath given himself as an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. He talks about living right and, and the world getting worse and the culture changing around us and the things that we're going to be talking about right now, you're never going to hear on TV. I'm going to tell you, they're not going to promote what I'm saying on TV. You're not going to hear this in school. We'll never make headlines. It's considered outdated. He's speaking of living unto God, and he describes the dangers in the darkness. But fornication and all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be named once among you as become as saints. Then he goes into greater detail. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremongers, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you by vain words, for because these cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. He says right in there, he says, don't let man say to you, this is stupid, or don't worry about it. Your pastor's crazy. The church is crazy. Be not. He therefore partakers with them. Could that be any clearer? For you were sometimes in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children as light. And he defines the light in verse 9. He says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. <coughs> Three things that he mentions there. Goodness. God has good for you. It is good. It is good. It is good. What I'm going to preach today is the protection of what is good for your life. Righteousness. What is right according to God. Not you. Not man. Not society. And truth. When people stand there and say, well, I just don't look at it that way. You know what? That's a lie because if it goes against God, it is not truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord because that's all that matters. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, rebuke them, call them out. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Don't bring it up. Don't make it part of your life. Don't even talk about it. But all these things reproved are made manifest by the light. For whosoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. And Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools but as wise. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. You want to know a, a, a very applicable verse right now? We better be redeeming the time, saints of God, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. In all this passage, he talks about waking up, redeeming the time, coming out of the darkness, embracing the light, separating yourself, righteousness, unrighteousness, knowing the will of God. But the major theme that's mentioned through this is about sin and darkness. Darkness. What is the darkness? He says in verse 8, and this is just my introduction, and we're, this message is going for two weeks for this part of this. For you were sometimes in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children as light. It's a visual of right and wrong. 
We, we, we do well with visuals, and God's saying, let me tell you, I'm going I'm to draw a line, and there's, there's darkness, and there's light. There, there's where the light is turned on, and there's spots where it's not. There are things that are righteous, and there's things that are unrighteous. There are things that work, and there are things that don't work. It's what God draws a line with. You understand, if we go in the church right now, and in the, in, in, uh, the time change and everything that's happening, you'll go in and it's daylight. You'll go out of church and it's dark. Everything is different. You don't have to sit there and say, I wonder if things have changed. No, it's dark outside. You know it. God said, for Christians, I want to explain what I'm teaching. And he said, I want you to know that there are darkness, evils in this world, and there is light, which is right. God is visualizing this for us. God defines the evil in this world. God defines it. He says in verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Truth is absolute truth from God. Now the world will reject this. And I'm telling you, if you reject what God is saying here, you are rejecting truth. And the reason why the world has such a hard time with it is there is no absolute truth. If you reject the word of God, you are rejecting absolute truth. That's why the world is all over the place. They don't know what is good and they don't know what is wrong. They don't know what works. And one minute they're sitting there, and you guys have seen even the news this past week where they're pushing this seven-year-old kid to have a sex change. A seven-year-old kid doesn't know even what Legos are yet. Whether on deciding whether or not he's a boy or a girl, God already decided that. Now we get all like, amen about that. Why? Because we stand on absolute truth. I know what is right. God has said what is right, so I follow what is right because he is right. We know this. The Bible is everything. Verse 13, he said, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. He says, if you want to know what that is, he said, I'll show you by the word of God. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. He said, whatever I shine the light on, that is truth. I'm going to let you know. Here's the second thing. God saves us from the darkness. He said, you were sometimes, in verse 8, in darkness, but now you are light. Do you guys realize that if you were something and you're no longer that, that there's been a transition in your life? That, that's what gets so confusing in the world. When they look at you and say, well, wait a minute. Weren't you lost before and now you're saved, but you're looking like, duh, 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 duh. I don't know what you are. We've lost our influence. He said, what I'm going to talk about, he said, you got to understand, you might have used to live that way, but you're not that way anymore, so live the way that you're called to live. God saved us from the darkness. The darkness is unacceptable to God. Verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. I can't make it any plainer than that. Literally saying what God says, I reject, I reject, I reject this other lifestyle. It's not acceptable unto God. I say that because I remind you even though it's acceptable to the world, doesn't mean that it's acceptable to God. People say things like, well, I don't see it that way. You know, it doesn't matter how you see it. God's the only one that has the authority to make what's right and wrong. Here's the next thing. Darkness is to be rejected. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. He said no fellowship. You know what fellowship is? An interaction, involvement, presence. It's time. It's don't have it in your life. Whatever he's talking about in this darkness that he's saying, it's unfruitful. It doesn't help you. But he said, you know what? It's not just un, uh, not good for you. He said, you better reprove it. You better reject it. You better push it out. You better call it out. And he said, Satan rules the darkness. So, man, I didn't read this in here. You have to turn the page. 
to chapter 6, verse 12, and he says, we, we're talking about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. He starts talking about spiritual warfare. In the middle of spiritual warfare, he says, we rule against darkness, the rulers of darkness of this world. What God is talking about in Ephesians chapter 5 of the darkness, let me tell you, the one that's in control of it is the demons of the pits of hell. We got that? Rulers of the darkness. What we're talking about is not to be played with. Sit there and say, I've got this, I've got this. That's what Satan wants you to think is you've got this. You don't have this. You never had it. It's always had you. Always had you. That's how Satan works. Demonic oppression and and all of these things that come from it. And I, I can't wait to expose this of what we're talking about. Of so much anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts and suicidal actions happening in our lives and our young people. Because Satan has literally stepped and pulled us into the darkness. I don't even think he's pulled us in. We've run to the darkness. Here it is. It's time to turn on the light. Turning on the light. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 13. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. And whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Here's what we're doing of this. Paul just takes the light and he says, I'm going to show you what's wrong. I'm going to show you. You guys come here. You want to know why you keep messing up? This church that he was talking about, the church of Ephesus and the church of Corinth, the passage that we're going to talk about, they were, they were, they were just engrossed in sin of their culture. And they were, they were trying to grow as Christians. They're trying to do what's right. And they're trying to have marriages. And they're trying to raise their kids. And they're writing to Paul saying, man, everything's a mess. It doesn't work. And he says, it does work. And he shines the light in the darkness. And he says, quit these things. Stop it. This is what's messing you up. Paul addresses the followers of God in this in verse 3. But fornication and all cleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become the saints. Let it not be, and he's three words that he mentions, uncleanness, impurity, physically or morally unclean, literally saying you are dirty according to the things of God. Let me tell you, if anybody walks dirty in this world, God cannot bless dirt. He can't. Sitting there saying, we are a powerless society, we're a powerless church, I'm a powerless parent. And God's saying that's because you're walking as a dirty Christian. He says this next word, it's talking about the covetousness. He's holding, desiring more, eager for gain, desire for what's not yours. He said it's consuming you. And you say, man, this has nothing to do with this next word. It has everything to do with the next word as he goes into fornication. The act of a harlot. Indulging in unlawful lust. The practice of idolatry. Idolatry is anything that they held as gods or let control them that was outside of the will of God. Committing fornication. Fornication is a very broad term. And is a word used for sexual sins. It's a word used for sexual misconduct. Fornication is any sexual act outside of marriage. It's anything that deals with sex outside of the boundaries that God has planned, that which was inside the laws and walls of marriage. Fornication of any form is sin. You sit there and say, well, not according to our culture. Well, I, th- I hope we clarified that a minute ago. Just, just you say, it was a setup. No, it was the Bible, actually. Let's make this clear. Sexual acts outside of marriage are sin. TV will say, well, all these programs and things, and if you watch TV for any length of time, they'll sit there and say, 
We've come to the point in our relationship where it's time to take it to the next level. Or I'm old enough for sex. Or I mean, that there's standard that they have set for it is all about relationships and, 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 and the fact that we've been together and shacking up and they take out everything that God has instilled for it to be. And it's all about lust in their own perspective and their own desires. The world promotes sex as being part of dating. See, we have drifted into the darkness because we have adapted the culture. We have redefined God's boundaries and God's laws when he says this. TV shows and celebrities and the world around us celebrates it as part of life when God said, I've called you out of that. Let me give you an education. See, God created sex for marriage. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now, I'm going to take this a lot further especially next week in the end of this message today. So please hang on. They were both naked, the man and his girlfriend. Can anybody correct me? You realize that God established that. And they were not ashamed. You see, they were naked and they were not ashamed. You know why? Because it was in marriage and God emphasizes and his wife. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Abstain means to cut it out of your life. Let me make a statement here. Marriage is the line between the light and the darkness when it comes to this. You, you sit there and say, how do I know it's okay? And how far can I go? And how involved can I be? God draws a line and says, if you cross this line, you are automatically in darkness when you allow fornication into your life. You say, well, that's not at all what we hear on TV. Well, let me tell you, there's rulers of darkness that doesn't want anybody to know the truth. Marriageable marriage is honorable in all, and the bed is undefiled. See, sex is undefiled if sex is in marriage. Outside of marriage, it's dishonorable. Does, does that make sense? If you got it? Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. You won't find that on the nightly news. You won't find that being read across the PA of a high school. God sits there and that whoremongers will come back to that, what that means of the whoremongers of what he's saying in that passage. And adulterers, God's going to judge. But he said, I'm going to tell you this, marriage is great. Sex is great. Sex was created by God. It was created for a purpose. It's a good thing. But he said, it's undefiled. We are living in defilement. Reading it straight from here of what God was saying when we crossed the line. And he says, but whoremongers and adulterers, whoremongers is a strong term. We just read that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, when we were going through that, speaking of people in their lost condition. Remember that Sunday that I, I, I preached and I put the labels all over and I went up and says, such were some of you, and that, that was one of the words. It was in, in those passages, God transform us. But the thing is, a lot of times we've been labeled as a Christian, but we're still living in the darkness. It's not who you are anymore. But you're still living on the other side. Let's, let's continue. Let me just spell this out. White night stands. Friends with benefits. Shacking up. Casual sex. Sleeping around. People say, I don't take it that far. We only take it as far as oral sex and all this other stuff. There is a line of anything sexual. Of fornication that God has said. And God says the bed is undefiled. When you cross the line, you step into the darkness. That's it. Let's not stop there because God doesn't stop there. Matthew 5, 28, he says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman with lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. 
See, it's not just sexual acts, but it's sexual lust that God is calling out. In these passages, you sit there and say, why in the world are you going in two different directions? You're talking about lust, and you're also talking about premarital sex. Do you understand that it is one in the same? One is the act of it. One is the heart of it. It starts in the heart. That's why pornography and everything that he's addressing in this thing is a matter of it might not be acted out yet, but it's already going on in your mind. You see, God's after your heart. He's not just after your actions. You could sit there and say, I'm not doing anything. And God says, but your heart is desperately wicked. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It matters what's in your heart, which matters what's in your head. It matters what you're thinking. It matters your perspective. It matters. See, it's not just sexual acts that he's talking about. He says to lust after her, to set the heart upon, to long after, to covet, to desire. That's what it's talking about. The desire to place your desire upon a woman without actually touching her. It's the same thing. One is the act of actually embracing, the other one's already happening in your mind. But it's the same sin that he's talking about. The word covet literally was already mentioned. He said in Ephesians 5.3, he says, But fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness, let it not be once named among you that become a saints. You know what coveting is? And you know why it's wrapped up with fornication of that? He said, I might not be dealing with it, God said, but in your heart you want it. That's why it's the same sentence. That's why he's wrapped it in the same package. He said, it let it not be named once. Let me word it like this. Not a hint should be in the Christian life. It shouldn't be. Holding the desire in your heart. God's talking about, God's exposing their hearts. He's talking about the, a desire to constantly thinking about sex, a desire a woman that is not your wife to lust after her body. Let me go back to that word whoremonger because that's not a word that we normally use. It's a Greek word that means pornos, a fornicator. See, fornication, the Greek word for that is pornua, to indulge in in, in, uh, unlawful lust. Can I connect the dots for you guys just so you see this? Does does that word fornication and the Greek word kind of jump at us about anything? Say, that's a common word today. It is absolutely a common word today. Pornos is porn or pornography. It's the same place that we get porn today. It's the same place that we get the word porn or pornography today. It comes from this Greek word straight out of the Bible. Pornography, according to Google, let's just bring it into our culture today, is a portrayal of erotic behavior designed to cause sexual excitement. It is words, acts, or representation that are calculated to stimulate sexual feelings independent of the presence of another loved one and chosen human being. Porn is a television program, magazine, or books, according to Google, according to Google, that are regarded and emphasized in the sensuous and uh, sensational aspects of non-sexual subject stimulating of compulsion interest in their audience, according to Google. And sit there, why are you saying this? I am taking today of what we are saying straight from Google that we all lean on every single day of our lives, and pointing it straight to God's word and connecting the dots to understand what God was saying. You say, I don't get it. The Bible isn't relevant. God says, can I make it any more relevant than that? God just painting the picture for us to understand what he's saying. Let's get real. Why this issue? Why am I addressing this? Why, why, Why does this? Because the light exposes the enemy. You see, there's rulers of the darkness and exposing the enemy. Satan is the opposer of all that is good, which means that he's a good marriage. He's against peace. He's against purity. 
Jesus even said, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy. Do you understand? If you walk into the darkness, cross the line. If you cross the line into the darkness, evil, all the things that we've talked about, pornography, sexual sins, the whole list goes on and on. If you cross into there, what Bible is saying is the thief, the rulers of the darkness, has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Well, I thought this was to make me happy. Oh, it does at first. See, there's the pleasures of sin for a season. It's no different than a fish that catches the worm. There's pleasures in it for a season. Then he realizes that there's a hook in it. And then Satan pulls back, and all of a sudden, you're attached to something you never said. Instead, I'm just, just after the taste of the worm. That's how Satan works. And, it's, and, and I'll tell you, there's hooks all around us every single day of our lives. I, I, I've got to just say that Satan is very good at what he does. When he sees the intimacy that God created in, in Genesis chapter 2, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That right there goes a lot deeper of what he was trying to say there. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. There was no shame. Have you guys ever stopped to realize what the very next verse is in the Bible? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. The goodness of God and everything, and Satan was like, well, I'll step in right here. I, yay, did God really say? Is that what he meant? Is that what he was saying? Can you really, really, really? Oh, and he portrayed it as, it was a joke. You're wrong. You're missing out. See, Satan is subtle. Satan uses sexual sin to capture us. I'm going to tell you guys, you sit there and say, how did they go from over there to over there? Satan is subtle. He knows what he's doing. Satan uses sexual sin to capture us. He starts with our minds. That's why pornography is so powerful. It starts with our minds. He, see, he has changed the label. Let, let me, if I'm going to kick this can open, let's just go all the way with it this morning, okay? He has changed the label. See, he, he is subtle, he walks right in. You realize that the Bible talks about wolf and sheep's clothing. You know what that simulates is, is, is the, the, the visual that he was given that Satan can walk right into the church, right into your home, and you're sitting there and say, how are you, buddy? You're not catching it. He's subtle. The way that he slithered in where, with uh, Adam and even the Bible. See, the way that it used to be is you had to cross a hard line to get this stuff into your life. You had to go into an adult bookstore and purchase a video or a magazine. You had to go home and watch it on a VHS tape. You, you had to get the magazine by going into a store and asking them for what's on the other side of the counter because it was not accessible. There was a line. There was a dark, horrible line that you had to cross to get this. Most pornography was labeled as triple X. There, there was a thing that we would know that was there. We, we, it would be scary. It would make you feel dirty. Now we have passed the fear of even things rated R when it says rated R for sexuality or nudity. See, and Satan walked right into our homes through Netflix, cable TV, and satellite. Internet, he's walked right into our homes. See, we're captured by entertainment because no longer will he say, you want to watch a good porn flick? Now it's a matter of you want to watch the newest TV series. And these TV series that are coming out, and I'll just say Breaking Bad, Westworld, John Adams, Oz, Boardwalk, Empire, Game of Thrones... They literally sit there and brag, brag about the nudity. 
there was an article put out by Games of Thrones when they were putting out one of their next seasons, and they said in the article, they said, we are going to put a hurt on the porn industry with as much nudity as we're throwing in this next season. He said, what were they doing that? For everybody that was hooked on the show, they were sitting there running back to it. And I'm saying Christians alike that sit there and go there. And we sit there and say, what has happened to the power of God on the church? Because we've allowed the devil into the home. That's what we've done. Under the label of entertainment, nobody's going to sit there and say, I'm hooked on porn. But they'd sit there and say, I can't miss Westworld or I can't miss whatever it is. We've been hooked on the entertainment. You say, what is it? It's sin. You can label it whatever you want, and Satan has changed the labels of it. When you sit there and see that, and you pull these things up, have you ever seen the signs that they pull up? Well, I hope you don't. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> now it's TV mature. Netflix will put out there, and it's TV mature. It's a matter of putting it on there, establishing it. This is the new porn label right here. It's TV mature. What are they even saying by that? Put the kids to bed. This isn't for the kids. This is just for the adults. We've changed the label. We, we, we've invited it right back into our house. It's, it's, it, porn is now blockbuster films that we go to see in there. It's, 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 uh, it's labeled as, as mature audiences. It's just entertainment. It's how he works. He's subtle. You get wrapped up in his storyline, and before long, you're watching pornography every single night. And you say, what is pornography? If a man lusts with his eyes. Do you think they put nudity in these things just because they, uh, for no reason whatsoever? You don't see the agenda behind it? See, it changes our perspective. See, how does Satan work? He works through a changed perspective. You see, we view it as entertainment rather than sin. And I've talked to Christians before, and they say it's really not a big deal. Oh, wait, wait a minute. God says it's fornication, whoremongers, adultery, uh, idolatry, all these things that he says. And we sit there and we've changed our perspective. It's just a little entertainment. It never bothered anybody. It's not a big deal, Tony. I've seen a nude person before. It doesn't affect me. See, we change our perspective because once that stuff would come on, it would bother us. If it was labeled triple X, we would say, no way, get it out of my house. See, it's changed our perspective, which has changed our standard. See, we used to draw a line and sit there and say, would you go in an adult bookstore? No, are you crazy? Would you download a triple X video? Are you nuts? But all of a sudden now, it's, it's, it's a matter of this is not a big deal. And I'm telling you, that mindset is among Christians. That mindset is on our cell phones. That mindset is among our entertainment. He's changed our standard. Now it's on our cell phones and in our queue of our Netflix. It's around us all over the place. It's not that much. It's just one scene. It doesn't affect me. Can I go back when he says, when he says, let it not be named once among you? He wasn't playing. If you study what a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump of what he was saying, it doesn't take much poison to poison the person. If you understand the big picture of what's going on with this, it reminds us that God has called it sin for a reason. The lust of the eyes. He said not even a hint when he says in Ephesians 5, 3, let it not be named once among you. Can I give you Christians, can I give us, not us Christians, and I'm not saying this, and by the way, I'm not talking just to men. Can I talk to every person in here because the porn addiction and our, our culture has become just following up by even what it was with men now with women. 
For, for, and you say, why is that? Because Satan is so deceptive. And now it's even creeped into the bedroom where people are using that to stir up their relationship. You cannot stir up your relationship to last when you're using sin to do it. And by the way, you were literally bringing demons into your bedroom according to what we're studying, according to the word of God. And you say, I don't see it that way. Once again, we only see it his way. Psalm 101 verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I could just say, amen, let's pray right here. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes, whether it's your computer, iPad, cell phone, or big screen, iMac, or whatever it is. I hate the work of them that turn aside, and it shall not cleave to me. It affects you whether you want to admit it or not. It will not cleave to me. There's something to be said about that, and I'll bring that out of why here in a minute. See, it has changed our view of sex. Man begins to view women as sex objects rather than just a person to be loved and respected. You want to know why we have such a respect level and divorce rate and everything else? Because we have polluted minds. Most affairs begin with a man viewing pornography. It is a proven fact. It changes you. It changes your appetite. It changes your perspective. And all of a sudden, it begins to get in your heart and mind in a way that you never thought that it would. See, Satan has a way of leading this to change our actions. See, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. You see, what he's saying with this is it's progression. This is what I'm showing you through change of your label, the change of your mind, the change of your actions, all this stuff. It's a, prog- it's a progression. See, David had this progressive, progressive in, in his life. And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. Now, is he engaged in whatsoever? It's coveting. That's why that word covet is associated with fornication. It's the idea that it's hit your mind to desire in your heart. That's why pornography and fornication or pornography and sexual sin of any nature are brought together according to the word of God because it starts in your heart. He saw a woman washing herself and he saw the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Say, what does that matter? The Bible says in Lamentations 3.51, my eye has affected my heart. You see something and all of a sudden you're going back to websites or back to videos or back to things that you didn't say you would because it has affected your heart. We have been affected by the demonic activity of this world. Keep thy heart with all diligence. That means to guard your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. Out of it is what's going to determine what happens to you. What happens next? And David sent messengers and took her and came unto her, and he lay with her. And by the way, that story continues long after that of a bunch of sin that leads to sin that leads to sin. See, Satan uses sexual sin to capture us. Satan uses sexual sin to control us. See, we have fallen into the traps of Satan. See, Paul here is dealing with fornication in the verses before in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, he's talking about fornication. In that passage, he says to flee fornication. By the way, fornication, fornication is anything that's sexual outside of marriage. The bed is undefiled. It's anything related to outside of the boundaries that God set. Was the boundaries that God set? Marriage. That was it. I'll explain more of that later. He said, all things are, not law- are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. That is in the same passage that he's talking about fornication. Now notice the wording of that. I will not be brought under the power of any. You say, I am a Christian. 
Bless God, I am a Christian. Satan has no control over me. You see, the chains have been broken. You are no longer being held and drugged to to hell because God has paid the price to set you free. But you know what we're doing in our life? We're taking the reins of our life and handing them back over to Satan. You say he has no authority to do that, but I'll tell you, through what we allow in our lives, Satan is not has the power to drag us to hell, but I'll tell you, he sure is jerking us around when it comes to this life. He's pulling us around in a way that we would not want him to do that. He's dealing with fornication. Satan does not take control, you give him control. We give him control when we lose control. Sex has an addictive nature to it. You say, why is that? Well, because God created it that way. You see, Proverbs 5.19, let her be as a loving hind in pleasant row. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. He's talking sexual here. And be thou ravished always with her love. The word ravished means to be intoxicated. God created sex to create a bond. That's what it was made from the very beginning. And the two shall become one flesh. God brought them together in intimacy to have a bond that is outside of anything related to parents, friendships, or anything else. It is a love that God created to be way, way, way different than anything else. That's why we are compared to the bride of Christ. Not anything else is compared when we're talking about that, of God bringing that too. There's no other relationship that God says he'll be bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh. The two shall become one flesh. God had a reason for doing that. Everything that I'm preaching about is not random. God's not sitting there saying, well, I want to live this way, and God's holding back food. God never holds back good from us. God has good from us. See, Satan's come to steal, to kill, and destroy, and to drag it out of us, to pull the good from us. When we stop to understand what is going on in this passage and why God said no, it opens our eyes to understand the big picture of this. It's not a matter of God not wanting teenagers to have a good time or to grow up good, but God doesn't want to rob them from what he has in the future of what is good. Man, there's no way. So will they be ravished? The word ravished means the idea of intoxication, to be reeled in, to be enraptured. God created it. And you realize that in our culture that there's no more looking forward to the honeymoon? You know why? Because their whole dating life is a honeymoon. And they sit there and say there's no, nothing sacred and nothing preserved and there's nothing white to be worn because we've already made it impure of everything we're doing. We sit there, why is marriage not sacred and lasting anymore? Because we've dirtied it up. we washed it down. We've lost the holiness out of holy matrimony. We have done this. See, God had created to be ravishing, to be overwhelming, to, to pull you in like this. It says in verse 20, but why? Why will thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and to embrace the bosom of a stranger? Do you see, he brings it out at the second point, and he says, you should be ravished with the wife of thy youth. And he even brings her body into it to be intoxicated with. But in the second part, he says, then why are you choosing to be doing that with somebody else? Which is pornography or premarital sex or however you want. And by the way, if she is not married to you, she is not your wife. We're going to draw a line here or something else. And by the way, if she's not your wife, someday she might be somebody else's wife. Quit sleeping with somebody else's wife. If I'm waiting for marriage and I'm doing that, I want some jerk sleeping with my wife before I get to that point of saving myself. 
Now, I'm going to say things that you're not going to hear in the world, but I promise you, God has good for us, and we've been robbed blind by the world over and over and over again. I don't have time to finish this, but I want you to see this last point. Satan uses sexual sins to destroy us. Now, I'm not going to go into this because I don't want to rush to this, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he explains what sex was meant for. And then it explains why it wasn't meant to be done out of marriage. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, 2, and 3 in that passage defines why we have such a problem with anxiety and depression amongst our youth like never before. You say, what in the world does that have to do? We'll come back next week. I'll explain this, and it comes together. And by the way, next week is we're going to study about how to counter this. And then you definitely need to be here for the third week, okay? I'm going to start another subject about dangers in the darkness and go two weeks on that. And trust me, I need you to come with an open mind and your Bible to study. I'm saying all this, guys, because I'm sick of Satan ruining homes and families. We should be talking about sex in church. Not in the way that they do perverted on TV and everything else, but I'll tell you, it's in the Bible. It was meant to be good. It was meant to be sacred. It's meant to be celebrated. It's meant to be bonding. It's meant to be all those things. But we, we hush ourselves so much that the only ones screaming at our kids about it is the world. And they have twisted it and perverted it and drug it through the mud. And they're sitting there picking up the pieces of a bunch of trash when God has something great for them. I'm saying this to everybody here. There are people in this room right now that are struggling with pornography. And if you notice, I didn't go in my message today and say the statistics are because I've studied them and I know that. But I'll tell you this. There's not anybody here that doesn't struggle with this on some level or another. Whether it's you being it directly or somebody that you love or your child or your spouse or whoever it is, men and women. But I also know that there's a lot of people caught in bondage of premarital sex. However you want to put it, however you want to word it, I'm saying it was designed and created by God. And you were sitting there dabbling with something that is Satanist literally has that hook out there. And we're grabbing onto it. We're wondering why we're being jerked around in this world and why we're miserable. Because we are playing in the darkness. In that passage at the end of uh, Ephesians chapter 5, he says the words, awake out of thy sleep. Awake. I'm calling us. And you say, I, I, I don't fully get this. Come back next week. It's too big of a, a chunk to do this. It's time for the church to wake up.